0: Welcome to the CSGO Hour podcast. I'm joined with my usual, my new usual, Alan <laughs> and Ebert. Actually, it's kind of a it's kind of a weird week this week because uh, Mist is getting his car fixed, whatever, over there in Newfoundland, and so Ebert from the West Coast decided to step in. Despite the the loss of I am um, Oakland, he still has good spirits. So hopefully this week will be a good week. So we're yeah. gonna talk, yeah right. So this week we're talking. I am Shanghai, Energy had a beautiful 2-0 over there, so North America won a big event, let's go. We've got VP signing Snatchy, Cloud9 officially getting golden, North and Heroic trading, Imperial signing Haji and Poon, and we're going to be talking about up-and-coming talent on the caster's desk. But first, we're going to be talking I am Shanghai, of course. And so, Alan, how did you feel about Energy and their... Big 2 0 victory over Ted in the grand finals.
1: So, if we just start with the final itself, I didn't expect it to be that one sided. That was, um, it was quite spectacular, really. Uh, Tali just completely fell apart. They, every on all levels, they looked out of the game, just individually outclassed. Didn't I really didn't like the way they called the T sides of either map and, uh, was really quite convincing from NRG, and the rest of the tournament was it was all pretty plain sailing for them, to be honest. Um, and I wouldn't have expected it to be that easy when they went into it
0: for sure. Like, for me, best of three, you got energy and Tailu relatively equal as of HLTV today rankings. Energy is ninth, Tailu's 10. So it's like, wow, it should be a good match, but Tailu was not even good CT sided where normally Asian teams tend to be very dominant on CT side, and their T sides are kind of weak. But they have good aim, so normally they can, if they win a map, it's because they're good aim and they're good CT sides. Yet Tyloo had neither of those. Their traditional star, Ben was decent. But outside of that, Captain Mo had some TKs on overpass, which were really crucial. We saw a lot of uncoordinated CS out of Tyloo. It was really ugly. It was two one-sided maps, whereas Mirage used to be Tyloo's pocket pick against anyone. Specifically at League of Atlanta. they had a couple upsets there on Mirage. That's way back and a whole different Tyloo. But still, traditionally, Tyloo and Asian CS teams as a whole have been good. to Mirage. Yeah, they got absolutely stomped. And Energy destroyed on Overpass, which is Energy's probably their best map, arguably. So I think it's interesting. I don't know if that says more about Energy's being a good top 10 team or top 15 team, or if that says more about Tyloo needing a lot of work considering they made top four at i e m uh australia or Sydney, I'm sorry
2: i mean that it's a, it's really interesting because we have to remember obviously tai it was the hometown team here in mm-hmm. Shanghai. and obviously home crowd home crowd advantage shouldn't necessarily doesn't mean as much i feel in eSports as compared to other sports but looking at Tyloo, most tk's on overpass and the way uh not only bentet but excurate and the, just the entire team, how dis, how just disorganized they were compared to Energy, who were, who knew, who th- that that team knew from the get go what they were gonna do. They played perfect CS against Tyloo, and Tyloo couldn't find a way to counter that.
0: I mean, that's fair, I guess. I mean, I just think it's interesting you mentioned the hometown crowd favorite because I didn't feel like it at all. And obviously, the team cheered for Tyloo, but because the team was so bad. In the grand final, I never had anything to cheer for. It was like the Fallen Library. So it was really, I mean, plus I'm like, it wasn't like your typical IEM venue, whereas like, it's always like a big, big auditorium. Like not auditorium, but like a big venue. You look at, say, Katavise, holds thousands of people, whereas it was more like an expo hall. So it was like maybe 1,000, 2,000 people, but they were like in like rows. It was more like a Smash Melee kind of thing than it was like an IEM spectacle. And that was like the whole kind of event in general. Not even just talking about the grand finals, talking about having teams like VP and Gambit and like teams that aren't that good, you know, or where maybe had name power and that's it recognition. And so it just felt like a really cobbled last minute um event. Even it just it was just really well poorly done, almost a waste of an event, but anything to give any more trophies I'm I'm down for. So I agree. And plus, despite not having the big names at
2: this event, we saw some potential in these smaller teams. Gambit, obviously, Trialing, nice Blade. Um, It it seems to be working out well. Obviously, this is Blade's first event. We don't know what Blade has in store as Gambit uh, continue on with events at uh, Stockholm and then obviously the major, which is going to be Blade's real test. Uh, VP, obviously, last event with uh, Morals uh, now picking up Snatchy. We'll see. VP did show... uh, VP showed quite a bit of... VP performed pretty well with the stand-in, I think and mm-hmm. you saw Talk some more. yeah and you saw some glimpses of some glimpses of you know the old of the uh, old players neo Biali pasha <laughs> showing up here and there and i think with picking up snatchy who looks like a budget snacks i think we will have to wait and see how that plays out um when zotac masters uh comes are, are they attending zotac oh. Masters
0: vp oh. VP no no I don't okay think so. no okay so no actually I'm sorry they got invited so they aren't getting right, okay. masters so
2: yeah okay so we'll that we'll wait till then to see how uh, VP and Snatchy play well together but I think and
0: what- compared to I, I'm sorry to cut you off but compared to uh, I am Shanghai Zotec is a much stronger field he teams like Optic MIBR and of course Tai Lu and So you have a much stronger fuel than say this event where you just had like energy as the only top 10 team besides Tyler. So continue. Yeah.
2: Yeah, Um, I think that that's obvious. I mean, with, cause it's, it's a couple weeks between now and Zotac masters. So the, the time yeah two weeks. So the time that this time right now is crucial to VP, uh, to figure out where snatchy, fits in the team and whether or not they can revolve create something that revolves around him or, or you know try to create a new play style where he can pretty much shine or be a more of a support type player and have the, uh, the older players in Pasha and Biali, etc uh, come back to their uh, former glory
1: just touching on the final again I really do think that that was a choke from with Tyloo. That really, it was so unusual. Mm. And I mean, everyone always paints uh, like the home crowd advantage as something that helps you. But when perhaps the expect- expectation with the crowd behind them was too much and it got to them because it was, it really shouldn't have been that one sided. But enough of Tyloo. I think Gambit, even though they made the semis, I thought they were actually terrible here. I really didn't think they played at all well in any of their games. I think Boot and Greyhound should have been easy wins anyway for even though were a bit sketchy and uh, they were my pick to win the event going in and I think they looked absolutely terrible against NRG, as did Tyler. So I
0: agree with that. I, th- I feel like, I mean, it's a little harsh to say that they're easy win against uh, Greyhound considering Greyhound had uh, the best jerseys at the event. But uh, I think if you want to talk about <laughs> best jerseys at any event, I think VPs New Jerseys are rather interesting, especially the methodology going into behind them. With the whole new look, and considering you threw away an iconic jersey for whatever this is because of one sponsor, it seems kind of a uh, kind of harsh. What I'm gonna say on that topic. I hmm. uh, you know you're not too big a fan of that topic, Alan. But uh, how do you feel about that, Ebert? <laughs> no response. All right. Well, I just think it's pointless.
1: I just don't really. Yeah, you- uh, uh, I guess mean, yeah, just they it's, must be just paying forking out some money to change the jersey. That's kind of what I mean
0: good. It, uh, compared to other, than, I mean, like Red Bull jersey for Cloud9, those look really cool. And that was different, but it's like it's an alternative jersey. Whereas Virgis Pro just like this isn't an alternative jersey, this is just our new one. Hope you guys like it. I just think it's a little weird. I mean, it's not a big deal, I guess, but I just thought the methodology behind it, like the uh, what the CEO said about it was the interesting part. More than it is the actual like change about it No. Well,
1: I haven't actually read the press release, so yeah, I really it's a, it. a good start,
0: but yeah, it's just like it's not a, I mean, obviously, in the grand scheme of things, not a big deal for VP considering they have to attend pretty much every event right now. It feels like to get like any kind of keep their top 20 in the HLTV and to kind of you know keep like being relevant in the scene, because like they're not going to get invited to events outside of these little Tier three ones anymore. And Zotac has a good place to prove themselves, but they're not going to be at Stockholm. They will be at the Major, because, you know, they made the last one. But other than that, yeah. the events for VP are running dry, and I think that even with Snatchy, I just feel like this team needed a whole rebuild, not just, like, tacking on pieces to an already... Decrepit, you know, polar bear, like the, the bear is dying hmm. and you just keep putting like old fur on it. And it's going to keep just, you know, it, it's going to die eventually. Like everyone, it doesn't look good. Pasha doesn't look good. biali doesn't look good. Snacks left for better waters has left for like, you know, lesser, better waters. You know, everyone just kind of left the ship and what are we left with? So I don't think uh, Ebert, if you're, you know, if you're still alive and with us, how do you feel about the Vertus Pro going into Zotac slash uh, the major?
2: Okay, so in terms of VP just not being there, I'm gonna have to be. I agree with those points you said earlier. Uh, the, the this this bear is dying. Um, the the remaining core of VP are are not mentally there, right? Pasha and Neo are way beyond their prime at this point. Bialy he, he's still technically in his prime, but I don't think he can find a team that he can play on. Um, and the fact that this remaining core is still clinging on to this organization who's pretty much been their lifeline um, for the, for their entire CSGO career and the fans who, and the, and the fans who think that, Oh, you know, they're, they're going to one day return to their, you know, glory, or at least return to their prime. um, I personally don't see that happening. Um, It's going to be sooner or later before this team implodes um, and I wouldn't be surprised if the remaining core uh, jump ship for better waters, or if players like Pasha and Neo decide to retire altogether. Mhm.
0: That's fair. Um, I just, hmm, I just, I just feel like I seen, you know, like I said before, the plow is kind of dead. They should just did a whole full rebuild, not just like tack on pieces, but. I feel like in the grand scheme of things, it's sad to see VP die, because that's when, when I first joined CS as one of those teams that were always good. And it's like you hated to see them win just because they won so much, but now I feel bad when they lose all the time, because that's all they do anymore is lose. And it's really is sad because like you have these classic iconic players like Pasha and like, you know, the brand and everything. So now, sad because they're not winning anymore, and it's, it's just you hate to see it. But one thing I think, I think it's quite
1: um, likely that Neo and Pasha both retire after the major. I wouldn't wow. be surprised because I think I think Snatchy, Mihu, and Biali are actually quite a good co- like they're not they're not incredible, but you can you can build a team around that. The problem they have mm-hmm. is that I think Neo's Neo's been out the door the whole ever since Boston pretty much, and I think he probably would have been out this team for Snatchy had snacks stayed. Yeah. And uh so I think Neo is almost certainly out the door, and as soon as you remove Neo, you've got a problem of who's going to be calling, and that probably means that the patch is also going to get axed. So that they I get mean, someone that can call in and
0: Pol- better role players. You know, I don't know who that is, but I'm sure there's IGL in Poland somewhere in the tier two scene or whatever.
1: Um, well, there must be. So who is calling for Kingwin? And is it Taz <laughs> who calls for? Yeah, I think I've, got no, yeah, I've got no idea it who it calls for
0: the lower yeah, teams. But there must I'm be somebody. I'm not a Polish expert, and, uh, but There's a lot of good
1: players there. Q- Q- Cuban might also leave. I wouldn't be surprised either. Mm-hmm. Um, he's probably yeah. <laughs> All his history with Passion Neotaz and that mm-hmm.
0: probably means
1: if they went, he'd probably go with them. I'd assume. So that's true. But, I'm not uh, sure how much longer we'll see Pro in this form.
0: Mm-hmm. One 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 region that's not as desperate as Poland is uh, Denmark, and we saw North and Halec made a trade for between Nik for Nico and Mertz. So North is giving up Mertz and Heroic giving up Nico. My opinion, Heroic at the better end of that deal because North kind of needed an opera. Mertz wasn't a really Mertz was okay, but Mertz wasn't the all-star opera they needed. They should have they should have got JDM, but they didn't. They wanted to get got Mixwell, won an event with Mixwell. And then now they're just like, Well, we want a rifler. I don't Nico isn't a hybrid that I'm aware of. Yu Gi Oh was the main opera in Heroic, and then nowadays I didn't really know what Heroic is now, it's just a weird, weird team. So, North are gonna go with Mini Nico for the major, but it doesn't feel like much of anything really. So, Ebert, how do you feel about North, and how do you think they're gonna benef- benefit or non benefit from this new trade?
2: Well. I honestly think North made a huge mistake by originally okay. So Mertz, as we all know, originally came onto the North roster from their academy team, and North had benched Cajun B, mm-hmm. which I when I heard the, that news I thought it was a massive mistake because um, Mertz, as and as we see now through the months that North has been playing with Mertz. On the prime Ross on the primary roster merch hasn't seen a lot of action time um, and it, it doesn't seem like merch is an op- merch is not an opera a primary one at least like Cajun B was um, so I think that was a big mistake and now that the trading merch away to heroic for Nico who isn't a hybrid per se, but he seems Nico seems to be a pretty capable player in and of itself. Uh, I think North might try to go for the liquid style type where they don't have like where liquid. uh, So we know liquid doesn't have an opera, right? They just pass it around here and there. I think North might be trying to play it sort of like that, where they try to pass the opera around, each of the players and see who gets the kills like that or they might just go five aks and play a more aggro style and not have a sniper hold down like an angle or a sight in
1: particular it is an interesting one this trade isn't yeah literally nowhere have they clarified somebody has to be orping i mean it's just facts of the game somebody has to pick it up sometimes and I do fear it's probably going to be MSL because he has hybrid in the past and he did it for a little uh, back in like early 2016 he shared it between him and little. so I do fear that the uh, MSL will but, um, if we go back to kind of why Mertz was brought into the team I think they kind of got lost in the um, romance of how Mertz's style compared to Cajun B and how Mertz is like a really aggressive CT orper And especially in North Academy, he was just like dumping on tier five players, like pushing all over the map. So they probably brought him in on that premise thinking it was like going to revolutionize how they played CT. And that's something that Abe talked about, how um, their CT sides were not consistent enough of Mertz and that he just couldn't output what they wanted. I found when I watched the games, he made a lot of quite simple mistakes for a top level player. So it looked to me like they kind of um, bumped him up through the ranks too quick. And that's almost certainly why they got rid of him but I'm not sure bringing Nico for him it's just such an odd move because obviously swapping out of primary orper for, uh, or for a, a rotator rifle I presume he's a rotator I don't really watch that much work um, they'll have a right mess figuring out roles before the major um, it might totally tank the results we'll see I'm not convinced it could be a disaster yeah I
2: agree um <laughs> Uh, uh, m- heroic getting mertz I-, I honestly think heroic ha- ha- received the the better end of the deal here but we we won't know that because uh, heroic isn't attending any um I, I guess tier Back one games. events it- in that we're talking about Stockholm the major um they might be attending smaller events like dreamhack opens but until we see that play out, we won't know how heroic is gonna or we yeah we won't know how heroic is gonna mesh mertz into that uh that team that's
1: fair that's fair
0: um i just feel like heroic is one of those teams that no one really pays attention to they're kind of like the forgotten team in denmark and it's I like guess the nordic region so it just kind of feels bad for them but you know, we kind of have to talk about them because they have done some things at lands relatively speaking. So when they first had that team and they were, I think that was EPL season finals, they were actually pretty decent. So, you know, we'll see how Heroic do uh, in the future. I think the trade is probably better in their favor. Oh, I don't, for I think,
1: sure. I think Bert could grow into a pretty decent...
0: He could, but I just thought I like on the right teacher to teach him how to grow. Uh...
1: I'm not sure you're going to do that. I mean, he might not be the greatest in game leader, but they have got a decent amount of experience on that team. you got oh, A. I, know.
0: I understand they have experience, but I just don't feel like he's the right personality. In yeah, order perhaps. To him. Perhaps. I guess he's
1: never really had a dominant opera, never actually had to deal with that before. Or at least tried
0: to integrate it. Yeah, like Cajun is more of a laid back opera. Uh, as far as I can think of, you know, I mean, I guess. Before Cajun B, I can't really think of old MSL. So I just know in recent times, he's always had someone who's been good, but never like world class or trying to be, never one that was really jumpy or flicky, like as Merch is trying to be. That's not really Danish operas, I guess. True device can be aggro, or whatever, but he's also a hybrid offer. So it's not really fair to say that that's comparable. So yeah, I think
1: it is a real full time opera now. Yugi, I think yu like, is quite aggressive mm-hmm.
0: in this Yeah, he is. That's true. Yeah. You're fair. That's fair to say. But um, I just feel like it's... Uh, they should want JDM to be that better option, but that's just me as a JDM fanboy. So, speaking of North American teams, Cloud9 officially signed Golden to their roster full-time now. I don't understand this considering they had FNS. We had this discussion last week. FNS or Golden... It was decided Golden's a better IGL. But I guess officially signing him's cool, but now everyone, Decay is saying, yeah, Sticko's obviously the fifth, I've already told you this. But everyone's kind of clinging to the hope that they're going to get somebody good, like, mm-hmm. Scream or something, somebody that can actually get more than 20 kills a game with a gun other than a eagle. So, Ebert, how do you feel about Cloud9 signing Golden to whatever contract they're going to sign him to? Uh...
2: Oh man, that's see, so they, offic- so this is Clowney's made the mistake here of picking up Golden with just one of, after performing in just one event. Um, FNS, I think, would have been the better option here for Connor but obviously the team dropped him early on because they thought he wasn't the right fit. Um, I think this is just, it's too early to tell how Golden, I, I personally think that picking up Golden after just one event is a mistake. But obviously we, we saw what Golden did with Fnatic, leading them to an IEM championship and some good performances earlier in the year. Um, I personally don't know how to feel about this because I think Golden is a, is a pretty, good IGO but transitioning from Swedish to the US and now having to call in English instead of Swedish uh, it's it's going to be a tough one but it seems like he's transitioning he's transitioning well and Cloud9 seems like the transition has gone well enough to sign up an official contract and put him on the active roster
1: hmm I really don't know what to think about this one. It just, it feels to me like they just wanted some sort of stability going into the major. So they just sort of, they looked at the options, they were kind of immediately in front of them. They'd already played um, E-League Premier, Premier with them, so they just sort of settled on Golden. That's really what I think happened here. As for whether it's going to work in the long run, um, they're probably going to have to stick with him to keep their free fifth roster after the major. So um, they're not really going to have a choice. <laughs> in that mm-hmm. sense. Um, I don't think... Golden's ever called for a style of, at least if we're talking about Cloud9 earlier in the year, Golden's never called for a team that plays that sort of um, aggressive uh, execute style, that sort of thing. Really volatile CC sides. He's never really called for that sort of team to so be interesting uh, in that sense, especially considering that uh, I, would, I would pin a lot of how Cloud9 used to play on Stewie and Tarek in terms of coming up with ideas, and now they're gone. So uh, I think it puts a lot of pressure on Valens to actually uh, kind of prove his worth and uh, shape the uh, direction of the team. We uh, just want to talk a bit about Styko. This is this is when it gets really odd because now you've got Styko, Golden and Rush on the CT side, all three who, in my opinion, should be playing anchoring positions. One of them is going to have to play Rotator. I presume it's going to be Golden, but... I think they're just going to get massively exploited by heavily
0: skilled teams. Mm. I think you'll see that. I think they'll have a really oh, weak seating side this team. Really weak. Oh, for sure. Because, like, look at Rush. has been in bad form this year. And I just think this is going to be worse now that you don't have much, like, skill in forms of Tarek and Stewie, like, kind of bail them out in a way. It's just going to be... It's going to be ugly. It's going to be, like, the automatic show. The gun show. And that's literally going to be it. And Skadoodle, because Skadoodle's clutch. But it's, like, clutch only works... When, like, your team is doing something else, and you're in maybe 1v2, 1v3, not too bad. But if you're in that situation every time, you can't be co- expected to be you know, perfect. So, Skudo's clutch factor only helps so much. But yeah. if, you want, if you want that real clutch factor, if you really want to get your game going, mm. it's time to queue up the pregame hubs, boys and girls. We have leaderboard prizes for all divisions. And now, pregame has added their biggest prize pool yet to contender, which is free. As a prize pool it increased by so now the overall monthly total is up to $3,250. There is more exciting news to come for novice and advanced divisions as well, so stay tuned. Leaderboards reset weekly or bi-weekly. Novice and advanced divisions, top winners also have the chance to win a one-on-one coaching session or demo review with an experienced coach. Won't be Alan, but will be a coach (laughs) just as cool. Free Game has just added Coach Jay of Guerrilla Tactics to the roster. You will also be casting the Road to FBL series matches in contender. So go to the pregame organizer hub and join now. Your subscription unlocks with all the hubs. Use code CSGOHOUR Hour to get an additional 20% discount. Remember, CSGO Hour at checkout for an additional 20%. That's, that's all that matters, folks. Let's be honest. Besides getting the actual pregame. But you want to be clutch, you want to be cool. You wanna talk about all those different things? There's one team that thinks that reminds me of that. That's Imperial, boys and girls.
2: Imperial. <laughs> is
0: it, is it Holy <laughs> most baddest team. Now they don't have Loba, who was on uh, the Eurovision contest, but they do have <laughs> Haji, right? Formerly of Envious Academy slash Envious Fame. And they got this guy from like, from Lithuania said, and that's about it. So how do we feel? <laughs> Alan, how do you feel about Imperial now that they have everything they need to succeed in 2018?
1: Everything they have to, need to succeed. Mm-hmm. Well, they don't have an in-game leader, which is always fantastic he in-game lead, right? Can he? Mm-hmm. Kind of. I don't think he can. I don't think he's oh. proven he could. Um, mm-hmm. I think they're in a lot of trouble. I doubt they're going to make many tournaments to all anymore. Um, wow. Especially on Esperanto to click heads. Mm -hmm. Uh, giving up Bristol was immensely stupid especially for Loba didn't make any sense so uh, this kind of just looks like an FPL team to me and that's how I'm pretty sure they're going to play
0: so what I will say is well Nexa to be fair Nexa did IGL Renegades for a little bit to be fair that went well didn't it no it didn't (laughs) 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 but um, okay and also Poon doing my little HLTV research here He's 21 years old. Like you said, he's Lithuanian. He played for Playing Ducks, League <laughs> Lithuania, and VWS, which is like a... technically It was the Lithuanian team. That's like a UK org, but whatever. They got a third place finish with Playing Ducks at the CIS Minor, leading up to League Major Atlanta, which was like a long time ago. So he's not an unknown total, unknown quantity, but I feel like Juliana would have done better. So... I don't understand, like, the mindset here. I mean, I understand dropping Crystal because Crystal's garbage. He's garbanzo beans. And Tenski was decent. I have nothing against Tenski. I would have brought in Ange, personally. You know, I thought he had a lot of potential. I mean, he was he was okay on energy, but that was a really bad energy. So, like, it wasn't going to be easy being good, per se, on that team. That's who I would have brought in. But I don't think Haji's a bad move. He was fragging out at the end of his time when it was on left out or whatever he was on, so I don't think he's a bad move per se. With the four Balkan people, you have Lithuania, 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 Serbia, and then French, and then a uh, Irish coach. I don't understand that logic whatsoever. That's a really weird cultural mix. Three Lithuanians a Serbian. <laughs> that makes sense. They're all Balkan. So that makes they have some kind of similar, you know, heritage. But then you put a Frenchman in there. And then you have an Irish coach. I really don't understand this mix. I don't know. It's just one of those moves that doesn't make sense. Um,
2: and I think as as someone, I think one of you guys implied earlier, dropping crystal, yeah, sure he's total garbage, but mm. he's an IGL. He can provide structure.
0: <laughs> it, it pains luxury. me. It pains me to say that. <laughs> they were but, always an but, FBL but, team to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um,
2: but an I an IGL, as bad as they might be on the server on the leaderboard, they are able to provide some sort of structure and they were provide some sort of mid round calls and stuff. And it seems like the whole CS scene in general has strayed away from you know that i picking up you know high-end igls and leaning in more towards the frags as we see as we see in phase as we now see with this fpl raw i mean imperial um cloud nine um you know it seems like igls in the csc now they're becoming more and more Rare and it seems teams. Hmm, I I personally think that I, well, I mean there's a lot of them sure, but I think teams teams now they they focus on the leader They just want a, they just want players that can shoot heads off, and they don't want they they need someone to control that because you know players some players uh, can get really aggressive and run through smokes and shoot heads off, but. So, sometimes that might backfire, so you need someone like an IGL
0: to, I guess, rein that in a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think it's funny mm-hmm. that the Imperial hashtag is hashtag Imperial Army, and they are an e- UK org as well. I just thought it was an interesting side note. I'm sorry. But <laughs> um, it's just interesting that they dropped Loba, who was garbage, and then... They're just like, yeah, we want to do this for stability of our org and everything. And then they're getting like Haji and the Lithuanian. I just, I don't know. This is a weird, it's a weird team. You- but in the grand scheme of things, they're going to be irrelevant again. Because they're not going to be like, he, like uh, Alan said, they're not going to go to any events. No, not at not so I What?
1: I hardly doubt they're going to make anything. No, they're not going to make game. anything.
0: They, can't, they no. lost for the Stockholm qualifier, which is their best chance. I uh, lost out to, I want to think it was Heroic. Yeah, it was Heroic. They lost out to so Because there's only what? There's only, okay, Heroic and the made it out of Europe. And Greyhound qualified for that event. And they won that event. But um, they're not going to go to anything big. They might go to like Copenhagen Games or like the equivalent of Fragadelphia in Lithuania. But other than that, pff, good luck unless somebody wants like a diversity pick. So. I just don't see where this team's going to go unless they go like DreamHack opened, I guess that's fair. But I just feel like a team like, I think it was who won DreamHack Open Summer. Was it Valiant? I think it was Valiant. Uh, yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah. So that team is like an FPL team, but at least they have a future. At least they won an event over Optic. I mean, how much OpTic wanted that, I don't know. I mean, I feel like they wanted it a lot. But, hey, at least... Wait a minute. Imperial won that event. Yeah, I was just thinking that. Ouch. Okay, I was wrong. My bad. Completely <coughs> <coughs> yeah, that's a, ignore that. That's an uh, elite. Um, yeah, they won yeah. it then
1: kicked their in-game leader.
0: Wow. Just that's uh, a little weird. I don't understand that. It was, it was after that. that tournament when all the controversy started. between that's us. True. That is true. So yeah, so they won an event, Imperial did. And then now okay. That makes no sense. They even had a decent like bracket run. They had to play Gambit, it beat two of them, they had two the optic. I mean I was they were looking strong there. I thought it was Imperial, but I was like maybe it was that Valiant team, right? Because I know uh, Valiant kind of mixed up all the time. <laughs> yeah because like they have a similar logo and it's really Valiant has a similar logo and it's really confusing kind of deal. But that's Hunter's team. That's another, you know, Balkan mix. With a uh, Macedonian IGL, wow, that's different. But you know, ignoring ignoring the smaller teams, we can talk about the one and only Ents, as they'll be invited to DreamHack Open Montreal. DreamHack has said because of the whole, you know, it's hard to get teams for this event. They said, look, we're just going to invite eight teams now. So far, Ents was the first team, which is not a bad start off because Ents. You know, they had a good run at ESL1 Cologne. They have um Big Daddy himself, Alu, who, you know, is a big name. So it's like, you know, it's a good first pick, they're number fourteen on HLTV. So that gives you some prestige to your event. I'm 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 anticipating like E United team teams that didn't make the major and aren't going to Stockholm. Or yeah, because that's the only thing that could really be there, obviously. So maybe another team like uh, Hellraisers might probably get invited, Virtus Pro, maybe you know, that kind of team. How do you feel? Ence's chances at Dreamhack Montreal, and do you think we will with the one? So
1: it's a bit hard to say about seeing the field, probably. Uh, I think NRG could go. I don't think there's anyone's
0: well, gonna be at Stockholm, and then it'll, this is the week after, so yeah, I think
1: they it's in their home continent,
0: so it wouldn't be quite True. as um. Alright, I feel uh, like another impressive. team like Luminosity. I think they probably would end up going. All right, um, Luminosity probably gonna go and be Sprout. Who else? Uh, LG makes a lot of sense because it's only you know up the border, and, and should
1: probably win it,
0: but and should well, win I'm it. Sure. I'm saying you know they're gonna get invited, yeah. uh, you know teams like that, uh, NTC probably you know. So but do you think I mean, yeah, it's to be honest, just thinking about it, it's not going to be a great event, but it could be a decent event, you know, but issue is Stockholm's the week before. So you really can't have a true leftovers event or else you have a pretty good leftovers event, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. a lot of the uh, DreamHack opens in the last couple of years have been played to this kind of issue of clashing with the big events. So.
0: Mm-hmm. And the issue was I think DreamHack tried to avoid that with the whole, you know, announcing their schedule a year in advance. And then <laughs> they still kind of got stomped on. So plus their own schedule kind of cannibalizes it with Stockholm two weeks before you know, kind of sucks, but.
1: I mean, they, they did they had they've had Dreamac opens a week apart this year and last year. Yeah, before right. they, they do shoot themselves in the feet a bit.
0: Um, mm-hmm. It's just not enough prestige around
1: the events too. Probably just... putting the, um, the actual like uh, uh, like normal people land ahead of the competition oh, sure. i'm guessing in terms yeah. of like venue availability and that's, what, that's probably what's driving this
0: i mean there's supposed to be like events for like up-and-coming teams practically with some like tier one team well however you want to call them better teams top teams maybe coming down once in a while it's so like summer winter or like the ones in bigger cities like atlanta or stuff like that but you know it's just like really the, the competitions could be better it's just they choose not to and it's just, that kind of sucks but um I'll be going to gym at Calendale again this year. Hopefully you will be. Because last year it was leftover event because it was during the major itself. So I remember watching the major in the press room, which was hilarious, with the Envy guys. And I was like, oh, this is hilarious. We're just sitting here watching the major that's over in Krakow while we're in Atlanta at an event. We'll doing content here. But, uh, you know, that's just the nature of esports and the oversaturated content. And one thing that also leads an issue to is, like, talent on the desk. Or you have a lot of people maybe working one event and might be another whole other continent working other events. And that's our last discussion of the day is, who do we think are the up and coming people on maybe the tier one desk now that we see Thorin has taken a seat back on doing events? He does a lot of events now, but not as many as he used to, of course. And you look at some like red eyes over in uh, the Dota scene. Uh, similar left. So, well, he's a caster, but still he did some analysis sometimes in E-League. He's in Overwatch League. Uh, you look at say, Yanko was the, the new staple of the desk. He's now coaching MIBR. You look at Lurpus has did some events. He's a GM of MIBR. So you have a lot of talent that goes and does other things, even with vis- Visa issues, like uh, who was um, that was uh, Launders? Who, Oh, Launders, yeah. Launders, Launders yeah. yeah. Launders. Launders has visa issues for Canada, and stuff like that. So I feel like that's the big issue now is who we're going to see. I think DreamHack's done a good job of like using lesser, smaller talent, not lesser, but like younger names like Dust does casting some of those. Blue, who was the up and rising talent of NA, but a lot of people are turned off by him for whatever reason. Uh, you have uh, Vendetta, is my personal favorite. He's been on a lot of DreamHack Opens. Pimp. Actually, he's really good. Can be a little dry sometimes, has a kind of a thick accent. But I think he's really smart, so he's good on the desk. Sean Gares, also known as Bay Gares, is my personal favorite. But, um, Alan, you're the tactical genius mind. Who, how do you feel about cast uh, talent on the desk? So probably say Sean
1: was, is probably the best I've heard outside of the very kind of staple people. But I think the problem with Sean is I don't think he really wants to commit to doing that many events. Mm-hmm. married now that's that's the perception I've got and I think people have kind of hinted around that sort of thing's going on so if we look at the kind of the people that do DreamHack opens I think Blair is really good actually mm-hmm. I think he that, that guy really knows his stuff and I think a lot of people sleep on how good he is and I think he's kind of he's a lot more refined in kind of the overall package than I think some other people are Um, won't name any names in that sense but yeah I do think Blair is the one that I would say. Give him a shot. Give him a shot at the big and uh, the the big events. Yep. Okay, Ibra, how do you feel about this? I think I uh,
2: I think I agree. Uh, Blair's analysis at Shanghai was pretty insightful. Um, it, it it does sort of. I guess suck to see these big names, these staples like Yanko, Sean, Semler, and all that stuff, you know, move on to different endeavors. But I think that like gives a chance for people like Ble to, you know, rise up and maybe attend, you know, an ESL one event. Uh, Pimp. Pimp's, I think the, I, I think PIP now is the new staple because we've seen him at EPL, We saw him at Shanghai. He's been at many events. I think he's going to be the new staple and now uh, analyst on the desk, uh, taking over for Yanko and whatnot. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know about any other talent, um, on the desk, uh, Vendetta. He said, um, he doesn't do a lot of events, per se, but I, I personally would like to see him back on the, uh, back on the desk because I think he ha- also has some pretty insightful analysis. And I think he knows quite a bit about the uh, CS scene.
0: Okay, that's fair. I agree with both those. I just feel like there's a lot of talent that gets kind of like shuffled around. And so it's kind of like who the terminal organizer, ornament organizer likes and who's available. Like maybe they want to go for like a red eye. Cause like I saw him on the desk for I think it was PGL, and we did Krakow, and we did the major qualifier. He was there, but I mean he's doing a lot of other stuff too. So it's about who's available, and so you might see like ESO will bring in certain people that other people won't, or they will only, or they might not like certain people. Not gonna name any names, you know. So I just feel like it's a revolving door, and there's definitely a room for new people to be introduced. You look at people like, of course, pregame. Or Gfinity, that have like these little um, more, I guess, like online qualifiers or leagues, and they'll have new casting talent. And Strong Legs is the new North American favorite, and Mega Man has been kind of like a meme, but everybody kind of wants them up on the desk. So take that how you will, and you know you have a lot of people that people are, you know, putting forward maybe like caster community favorites like Insomnia. And stuff like that. So I guess it's kind of a wait-and-see approach for next year with all these vacancies, who will fill them? Especially on the pro leagues, I think, is the big one. Because a lot of people like Blue, I found him on ESL Pro League. I thought he was great on there. And then I saw him doing a lot of bigger events. So I think a lot of people start in the pro leagues and work their way up. So that's how I feel about it.
1: I always thought Blue was quite good, actually. Oh, I, I don't really know what actually happened
0: to him because he just sort
1: of. Yeah. They kind of, uh, um, so really dropped him, didn't they? I'm pretty sure ESL dropped him. Ooh, it was kind
0: of a mutual thing, I'm pretty sure. No, and I don't
1: think it was. Not I mutual? Think, oh. I think wow. they, they didn't sack him, but I think they just. I know
0: Dust of, on, on know. the Dust Hour episode Dust explained that in full, how like the whole Blue uh, situation. I know also there was an embarrassing story about Blue, but it wasn't why he got dropped, but it was hilarious with the whole brisket, and he fell into a pool with his easy on. That made me laugh, but of course that's not related. I just like seeing <laughs> that story. But um, Blue, people, I know a lot of people online didn't really like him. At least I mean, in this Discord, or other Discords, or on Twitter, you saw a lot of hate because he talked too fast on Reddit. And a lot of people really didn't like him, and it got him down. And he just took a break, and then now he wants to come back and be better than ever, but I don't know what's going to happen with that. A machine used to be like exclusive DSL and then he left their clutches and then, you know, now he can go anywhere. And, you know, he's done pretty well for himself. I think he's not an, al- he's not an analyst, but he's a good caster slash desk host. So. Yeah,
2: I, I, machine, machine's a really colorful person now and I think we need more well, of What's that supposed to mean? Like you know, he's more, you know, he's vibrant, you know, <laughs> <laughs> he's you know, he's a really vibrant person, you know, mm-hmm. you know, where where whereas, whereas what does that mean <laughs> Whereas you have some people maybe like Sean or oh, okay, just the white <laughs> person you can think
0: of, right? Yeah, you
2: know, I mean- all, come on now, because like <laughs> all, all these analysts they have some sort of they have a personality, but this, but machine as a desk host, I think takes it all because I, I can't, I can't pin it da- pin it down. Like mm-hmm. I can't, but there's something about him that just makes, that just makes an event or like the, like the analysis portion of an event, like after a map or something, somewhat more enjoyable to watch than others. Um, I think it's also interesting to know, you know, because we have all these and you read, you, we said red eye He's
0: mm-hmm. doing
2: Dota events, mm-hmm. right? And then we have, someone who left Sia casting with Anders to move on to Overwatch like um, yeah, I was thinking uh, I don't think uh, I was thinking about like other people like other analysts Moses, casters think mo, mo, I he think mo,
0: CS obviously but
2: yeah I'm thinking no, I'm thinking people bringing people from other games so
0: from other scenes? Uh, you got to think about though I think all right listen all right so you got to think you're talking about an analyst right? mm-hmm. Somebody that knows CS intimately you know, so you can't, it's hard to bring somebody from another game where they don't understand, like, the minutia of CSGO, the teams, the history, stuff like that. That's so why I made, like, someone like an ex player, like you talk about um, Sponge, or you talk, about which is a, a wonderful, and it's probably the best right now. And you talk about Yanko X players who know the scene, but are really good tactical minds about it. That's what made them so good on the desk. And they had a good, like, they, you know... They were good to look. They, were, they weren't ugly, you know. They, you know, good, fun people. They have good banter. You know, they had really all the person, all the things you'd want on someone on the desk. So that's why I think they did well on the desk. So maybe look at ex players. You could look at is somebody's a good like you look at Sean Gears or somebody that's close to being retired. someone with a good personality. Maybe someone's a streamer, so they're used to talking in front of like a crowd, so so to speak. So that's I think that's what the best, um, you know, feeding ground for new talent you'd be is like somebody who's yeah, looking for like a hiko even that. even a hiko yeah. if he, when he retires in six months that'd be a good place to look so you know like of course i said like said, pimp or even vendetta was a really good one on dreamhack so you have a lot of you have a lot of options right now i think it's not too bad it's yeah, just we yeah. have been seeing a lot of people uh leave but that's that's all we have for today folks thank you for listening in a bit of a shorter episode today but you know it's kind of a slow slow news week Thank you for tuning in. Make sure to like and subscribe wherever you listen to the podcast. Share it on Twitter, on Facebook, because we are not NFLWars slash Alex Jones. Thank you for listening. Bye.